Welcome to Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is the first one of 2019, and so I think... On the 5th, you can still say Happy New Year, and that's what I do. Happy New Year to all of you. I hope it will be a prosperous, healthy, and successful year for all of you, and for all of us, we should say, and that it will bring you what you were thinking about, or maybe you have made plans, maybe you have made some New Year's resolutions, and you can stick with it or not. Many people just fall off the wagon anyway. It's quite all right. It is what it is. It's kind of a fun game to play around New Year's. What are your plans? And then see how it turns out. But good morning to all of you. It is uh, my absolute pleasure to be here today and to start again another year with you. I have, uh, this is a program about health, healing and healthy lifestyles. We'll talk to the experts. We give them a chance to talk about what they're passionate about, what they do for a living, books they have written, research they are currently working on, or just in general, talking about health. As always, want to let you know that when we are talking about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles, the purpose of the show is education, information, and some entertainment. This is not a show where we are trying to diagnose, treat, or cure. You can always see a physician of your own choice or talk to the guests. Afterwards, we give you enough information where you can contact these people And then find out if this is something you want to do for yourself or somebody close to you who you're trying to help in their quest for better health. Let me, um, I have two guests here. And uh, one of them is a familiar voice on this radio station. Her name is uh, Sahara Devi. Good morning, Sahara. Good morning. Let me see here why we're not, uh, why we're not, uh, there we go. Try this again. Good morning. Good morning, Dakota. Oh, you guys are sounding great. <laughs> and uh, and then we have Danielle. Danielle, good morning to you. Good morning, Jacoba. You are a you are a, uh, a, a media pro, so it's going to be fun to work with you as well. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so let me tell you, <clears throat> this is what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sahara, because we we know Sahara, and then Sahara is going to help us introduce Danielle because she's the one who introduced me to her. And uh, the two ladies have worked together uh, quite a bit lately. So Sahara Devi likens her life to a magic carpet ride through an amusement park, uh, carried safely through the tunnel of love, the house of horrors, the roller coaster, and the distorted mirror room. Growing up in New York City, Sahara was a product of the 60s. She sat in, turned on, tuned in, dropped out, marched on Washington and began her world travels at the age of 19 with six months hitchhiking around Europe from Paris to Istanbul. Trained by Swami Sachitananda, she was one of the first group of young yoga teachers at the Integral Yoga Institute where she served as mother of the ashram for five years. She was also, by the way, the only young white woman driving a taxi in New York City in the early 70s. In 1994, while she was living in Bozeman, she left Bozeman after three cold years. She was struck homeless in Sedona and spent 13 years in the U.S. and abroad, turning into this, which turned into an unintentional sadhu, S-A-D-H-U, sadhu, and carried around the world with no visible means of support 
including what turned into five unexpected years in India, having been telepathically invited by Sri Satya Sai Baba. While Sahara has been teaching and singing around the world on a low key since 1999, over the past year she has undergone a series of rapid upgrades in frequency and consciousness, turning her into a conduit of light in service to the transformation of the planet. She is not the Sahara you knew last year, last month, or even last week. Written in 2008, Sahara's handbook, The Evolution Revolution, The First Peaceful Revolution in the World, which is a handbook for personal and global transformation, which is something we have discussed on the show a few times, is now available as an ebook. In it, one may find the basic practices for cultivating awareness that bring one to the next stage in one's evolutionary process. Sahara's life is dedicated to, quote, transforming the fabric of reality for the well-being of all, end quote. There is a whole bunch of ways to get a hold of you, but I first of all want to say to you, good morning. Good morning, Jacob. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. Us, yes. Now, I can tell a few things about Danielle, but you kind of want to talk about Danielle. Well, uh, I don't have the list of her uh, humongous accomplishments. <laughs> you might like to mention some of those. She's been on every media, everything, and is acclaimed nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I do you do you want to mention? Well, I don't have the whole list. Okay. I, I have an abbreviated version of what you had on your website. So I say over, over here, Danielle Agnew, E-G-N-E-W. Danielle is internationally renowned for her litany of layered spiritual talents. Applying her skill set, which encompasses clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, empathy, psychometry, mediumship, remote viewing, profiling, spirit guide channeling, angelic communication, extraterrestrial interpretation and tonal healing, even outside-the-box spiritual ministry, Danielle Agnew has worked as a professional clairvoyant and medium, both in the private sector and in the media for the past 12 years. She is a vetted alumni member of the Best American Psychics, and the National Crime Solving Organization Find Me. Her forward thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, her forward thinking perspectives on consciousness have been featured in the Washington Post and the Huffington Post. And you can go to her website, DanielleAgnew-Advisor.com. So that is what I have. And right I, on. I read, I read so much. There was columns and columns. <laughs> well, it's not columns and columns. It's one long column. On your Facebook page, and I thought that it will be too. That will take up to three hours just to. Yeah, it's a little this. much. Yeah. It's so a little thought, much. It's nicer to hear your voice and uh, get to know you. you this way. Thanks for being here. You betcha. Thank you, yeah. gang. This is fun. This yeah. is great. So uh, I want to introduce Danielle and let people know how I came to know her and how she has served me in such a profound way. Oh. Uh, which is why I have wanted to introduce her to the community yeah. since she she's moved over here last summer from Billings. Uh, I first became aware of Danielle, um, must have been on Facebook in 2016, when she posted, um, 
she posted something about the uh, about the president and her take on his role uh, in our country at this time. She was the only one that was expressing what I was understanding about the role he's playing. I said, I have to know this woman. And then I discovered that she was on the radio uh, Wednesday mornings over in Billings and that she took questions Mm -hmm. from the listeners. And I called. Uh, It was the summer of uh, 2016, and I was experiencing a lot of frustration in my own process and wondering what am I, a century plant, you know? I have to <laughs> yeah. wait till I'm 100 yeah. before I bloom. Yeah. And so I, oh, man. I called Dan- Danielle and I said, what the heck is going on? And she said, she gave me a, a rundown in a few minutes, but the thing that she said that was most important to me was you're in the last 20 feet of a 60-mile race. Hmm. And that's what I said. Okay, I'm getting close. (laughs) You got this, girl. You got it. So then skip to 2018. 2017 was an extraordinary year for me. uh, I felt that I had uh, gone into a cocoon, been turned into jelly, and was waiting for the process to occur so I could start spreading my wings and flying. And um, so spring of 2018, I went through a very big shift. And in April, I called her again on the radio and I said, I feel like I have been um, plucked out of the muck and brought into this beautiful light-filled realm and can you confirm (laughs) that this is real yeah Uh yeah and she just first of all she picked up on that previous year this was almost metamorphic process that i had gone through yeah and then she said, yes, you are what she said, um, really touched my heart and confirmed that I had been mm, elevated uh, in frequency to a place where I was going to be able to begin to serve in the capacity that I have known all my life (laughs) I was meant to serve and had been waiting for this to occur. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, the information that she gave me on both occasions, and this was only like little three-minute responses, was so profound and I felt so grateful. And when she came over, I contacted her. I said, we have to get together. And I 
want the community to know about you because you have a tremendous gift to offer and um and this community must be ready if you're here. So that's Danielle, and I love her with all my heart. She's an extraordinary human being. She has a tremendous um, contribution to make to mm-hmm. our community and mm-hmm. to the planet, and here we are. And there's a passion. There's a definite passion Thank in your you. uh, That is so beautiful. Thing. You're Miss getting me all tishy here at eight in the morning. Oh my goodness. It's a good thing I'm not wearing that much makeup. We're good. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I love you too. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Oh, very beautiful. Very wow. Beautiful. Well, and you know what's so interesting, Jacobus, about this, uh, when I listen to you, Sahara, talk about this, is that I do so much translation for angelic beings, you know, and... Explain that to well, us, because I... I would like to know a little bit more about things that you do. And now you mentioned angelic translation. How do people understand that? What does that mean? Well, if you think about a translator at the UN, you know, if you're sitting there and the American uh, person, the representative, the embassy person is sitting there and they have a little earbud in and you've got the person from Somalia speaking in their native tongue and the translator is sitting back there, and they are just going off translating into the ear of that individual so they can understand it. And my job, even though the media calls me an angelic communicator, when I do this on Travel Channel or I do this on NBC or ABC or any of the shows I've done it on, you know, you'll see a little thing under my name that says psychic medium. And they don't even separate that. They just say psychic medium. And that's like saying mocha latte. It's a little (laughs) bit, you know, redundant and weird, but... You know, yeah. it's the media, whatever, and they're, yeah. they're well-intentioned. So what I technically do is translation, even though people want to say, well, you're a psychic or you're a medium. And a lot of what I do is translate angelic messages. Now, people are like, well, what, what the heck does that even mean? Or right. are you a weirdo? Or do you have your, your tinfoil hat on too tight? Oh, or, I see. You know, whatever. But really, you know, people would benefit from understanding that the spiritual messages that we receive uh, we all receive spiritual messages. I think so too. Right? And, and just how open are you for it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's my observation of people that we're all spiritual. We're all, if you want to call it psychic. I mean, we're a spiritual being in a physical body, right? So in the same way that your cell phone picks up a signal that's being beamed from a tower, the cell phone is made to pick up electromagnetic impulses, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we call each other. That's not mystery. That's not woo-woo. It's science. Mm -hmm. Well, in the same way, people who do what I do have an electromagnetic frequency sensitivity. So we pick up all kinds of, like a radio tower, we pick up all kinds of impulses that are flying through the air, and they've actually now scientifically linked a, quote, psychic ability to the hippocampus, to the prefrontal cortex, to the limbic system. There's all this brain science now that they've really put forward, and by the folks, I mean the medical community, and you can go to pubmed.gov and look all this stuff up. It's so much fun if you're a total science junkie, which I am. And so we get to, in a way, it makes me feel very excited to, quite honestly, demystify the the fact that we all have an electromagnetic wad between our ears called our brain, Mm -hmm. and that acts like a radio tower, and that picks up spiritual information, And so when you ask, how do you translate for angels? 
just like, you know, we're on AM 1450 here. That's mm-hmm. a frequency on the dial, right? Yeah, yeah. Angels come in at a very specific frequency. I see. So I just kind of dial up to their frequency and I pull through their information and then I have an opportunity to translate that mm-hmm. for clients. And like Sahara is telling this beautiful story, which I'm not even kidding. I was completely tishing up over here. That was very touching. And I thank you very much for that, Sahara. You know, when she called me on the radio show, her angels were speaking to me about her journey and mm-hmm. what was going on with her. And I always say, these angels make me sound super smart, and I really wish I was that smart. But yeah. really, I'm literally the lady who reads the teleprompter. That is my job. <clears throat> yeah. So I just read it as it comes through, and it enables people to receive information so they can move past just those icky blocks that we get or we, we assign ourselves, you know? I see. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I get to do this yeah. for law enforcement. I get to do it on television. I get to do it for private clients. Uh, I just was so graciously excited uh, to move here to the Gallatin Valley from Boz- or from Billings yeah. into Bozeman. And I opened up my Daniel Agnew Spiritual Center and Gallery mm-hmm. uh, out in Four Quarters, uh, 80085 Gallatin Road, Sweet B, mm-hmm. out there. And that's where I do my private readings, and it's I'm just loving it out here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, spirituality. We talk about uh, clairvoyance, uh, the work that both ladies do, and... Um, your call is very welcome. If you want to join in or text me at 266-7617, 406-266-7617. With all these things, when something comes that naturally, what often happens is that you may have had this gift your whole life and never thought about it, that it was anything special because it's part of who you are. When did it come about for you that you realized that you had a gift that was different than what other people have and that you started using it for the benefits of mankind. When, when about was that awareness for you? That, that Was it somebody who told you? Was it one of your parents who said, you know, the things you're talking about, that is different? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, you're hitting on something here. When I was 17 years old, hmm. My great aunt uh, was my, my, well, let me back up just a touch. My great grandparents immigrated here from Italy. Okay. And so my great aunt was Annie Sylvia, 100% Italian, spoke broken English. She was wonderful. And I was telling my mom a story about how I met her when I was a little girl because I was kind of afraid of my uncle Dominic. Her husband was this big old Italian guy, bald, intense. I mean, he was just, you know, and I was, I was a little freaked out by him. And so when we would go visit, I would snuggle up to my Annie Sylvia and I'd stick my face in her skirts and she'd call me over and pet my back. And, you know, you're, you're scaredy when you're little. So I'm telling my mom this story when I'm 17 and my mom's looking at me like I grew a third face or something, you know, not that I have a second face, but, yeah. you know, she's looking at me like, what the heck's wrong with you? And she says, Danielle, Annie Sylvia died a year before you were born. Really? And Yeah. And I thought, as 17-year-old girls do, yeah. that my mother was absolutely nuts. I'm like, Mom, you're crazy. I remember Annie Sylvia. And I described what she smelled like and her perfume and her mm. dress and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing. And she basically let me know that, guess what? She died. And so that was the first time I realized that I was seeing people that other people weren't seeing. And <laughs> It was a little disturbing, but I was 17 years old before I realized that other people weren't picking up what I was picking up. We're going to continue with that when we come back out of the break. 
Folks, uh, thanks for listening. One of the things we're going to discuss uh, next is uh, the fear consciousness that uh, many of us have. We're, we're guided by fear. So can we, can we stop that? What does it mean and how does it work? So Danielle Agnew and Sahara Devi, my guest this morning. Stay tuned for that. We will be right back. Fear. What, what do you mean with fear consciousness? Is there a problem? well you know sahara and i talk a lot about this and fear consciousness just from my perspective and i'll throw it to you sahara from my perspective fear consciousness is what we have been trained to to operate under uh because it's in my opinion it's part of how we sell things in america so if i want to sell you insurance i need to make you afraid you're gonna die and leave your family with nothing if i'm going to sell you a very a $900 purse. I need to make you afraid that you're not good enough without that $900 purse. And those are two really shallow examples. I mean, it runs deep. Fear is biological. We're afraid because of our DNA it says don't go pet a bear because 9 million people before us were eaten by a bear. Mm-hmm. So we have psychological fear and we have uh, biological fear. And for me in this conversation personally, I would focus on the psychological aspect of fear where fear consciousness is a lens that we see the whole world in this fearful way. Mm. Ooh, those people are different from me. They could hurt me. Or, oh, I, it's a lack or limitation consciousness. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I could die on the street. Uh, you could call it worst case scenario. Yeah. And in this fear consciousness, it's my uh, observation. It's an energy that I can actually physically see around people. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It looks like a weird barbed wire fence made of brown barbed wire. It's, oh. it's icky. Um, and that fear consciousness is not necessarily conducive to our health, our wellness, our growth. <laughs> you know, right? I yes. mean, it's not necessarily. It's it's way beyond not necessarily conducive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's o- true. Obviously, this right? was, uh, but it's uh, antithetical to those things. Yes. And uh, the fact is that if you look at our media and our politicians, we're not really bringing politics in here, but we are programmed. Mm -hmm. We are programmed to live in fear, which is a contracted energy. Fear is a contracted limiting energy energy which keeps people in line yeah crowd control okay and that's the whole point of it it's just like we just want you to stay between these lines Uh. to serve the purpose of our economy what have you uh because those of us who who escape (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. From or make the conscious choice to deliberately remove ourselves from that programming, we aren't part of their system. We exist outside of their system and we are bringing in that which is going to inspire others to break out of the system and experience themselves in the expanded and elevated way that's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to just to add to your point, which is excellent, uh, when, when you talk about they or the system, you know, talking about how we've been conditioned 
And I'll only speak, I, I was raised in America, so I'll speak here about being American. Yet the system that we are conditioned under mm-hmm. is heavily dependent on be, uh, us collectively believing certain things. Yeah. The us against them. Yes. You know, and that's exactly what you're talking about. So when we speak on fear consciousness, uh, what we speak on is do we as a collective society wish to live constantly in fear, Mm -hmm. which has been shown medically to degrade health? It ruins the endocrine system. It blows out the adrenals. It will stress out your heart. It literally will Mm -hmm. eat your liver which is the organ in the body that stores anger and fear, okay? I mean, but think about this, gang. If your liver's getting eaten up out of fear, then I go and I get lots of heavy pharmaceuticals to fix my liver. So again, I'm I'm not blaming pharmaceutical companies, of course, yet I'm simply saying that we have a system in place here in the United States that I believe, it's my opinion and my observation, that it has been put into place to literally capitalize on us trying to not be afraid. And, you know, the work that I do, the work that Sahara does, Jacobus, uh, you know, the work that you do here in mm-hmm. educating people then lifts the fear lens up because we get the opportunity to actually attach people to different truths, modalities of thinking, uh, avenues if they choose to go down them for health and wellness, and even the lens for perspective of the way you live your life. Um, these are simply suggestions. Sure, sure. Even the idea that you have to get a job and work 9 to 5, 40 hours a week in order to support yourself, uh, and go going back, that you have to attend a a college or university in order to qualify for something that is going to enable you to support yourself and or a family. This is all a way of limiting, limiting people, Mm -hmm. limiting people, because there are endless ways that individuals can support themselves and if there's Absolutely. a will, there's a way. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, and we're being told that uh, you don't really have that will. Yes. Follow our steps and you'll get where yes. you need to be. Yes. But that's not, uh, doesn't bring happiness or it doesn't bring. Uh, and it's not working no. because you see stories all over the place about people that have invested their hundreds of thousands of dollars in university come out the other end. They can't get a job in their right. field. Yeah. And, you know, they're either on the street or they're working some kind of minimum wage thing. Yeah, and then you have fear that you can't pay back your <laughs> Your, your student loans, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So It's uh, insidious. It's insidious. Just want to let you know, Danielle, that uh, a text message says, just sending Danielle some love. From the Windy City. Oh, from the Windy City. I bet that's Wendy from the Windy City in Chicago. Hi, girl. Thank you. Sending you love right back, sister. Thanks for listening. That's great. Good morning, caller. Thank you for holding on while we were talking. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Uh, Danielle Daniel. Danielle oh, Daniel. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Danielle, comma. Daniel. Okay. Okay, Daniel. I'm getting it. That's awesome. All right. Now, Sahara and I had a strange experience together. We were meeting with a man who was 
gung-ho about a guru that unexpectedly committed suicide. Now, so many people, especially in Montana, are committing suicide. Could you give us some insight into the lure of suicide? Does it have some value to the soul? Although it would seem that the, the person is overriding a higher order of the universal law that says, thou shalt not kill. That's well, not a that's, higher law. <laughs> Sorry, I love you. Uh, Daniel, first of all, thanks for an amazing question, okay? And I will tell you my observations from working with the angelic kingdom uh, regarding what we consider a deep tragedy, which is suicide. You know, when I encounter souls on the other side, when they come out of their body, and maybe I have a family member that comes to me and they want to speak to their mother, their father, their son, whomever committed suicide. And, you know, we left here on earth are devastated by this because we give such massive value to life, as we should. I mean, it's a great gift, right? When I get an opportunity to visit with the people who have chosen this modality, uh, it's fascinating when I listen to them and they, they actually enable me, they download me with their experience right before they take their own life. And what I get the opportunity to feel is a weight of hopelessness mm. that most of us uh, don't really understand the weight to that point. I mean, when you get to that point to where it's better to be dead than to simply deal with whatever awful thing is happening in your life, um, it, that that weight of hopelessness is is a point to uh, literally breaking that person's capacity to continue to deal with what they've been dealt with in their life. It, it literally overloads. Like like you think of a weight limit, Daniel, right on, on a truck bed. And it says you can't put more than, you know, four tons on this or you'll break the axles. You know, that person's carrying six tons and those axles are snapping. So when we talk about what would cause a person to take their life, it is a lens that I have seen that comes to me through these people who've passed on and they've shared that lens with me of uh, their lens is utterly hopeless. It's like if somebody stuck you in front of a corner two inches from it and painted the corner black and that's the only thing that you're looking at. So most of us don't, I mean, we can have really horrible times. We can be down in the dumps. We can think about, many of us think about killing ourselves, you know, uh, we have those dark nights of the soul. However, it's not been my experience, Daniel, that it disrupts uh, a, a natural order or a spiritual order. It certainly disrupts people's lives. It breaks people's hearts. Yet what has been brought to me in this, uh, especially dealing with these folks, angels who have crossed over, is that many times the people who have taken their lives, uh, when I look forward into their life path, and I get the opportunity to see more than one life path for an individual, Daniel, because we don't just have one big fat future that would take out free will, that would take out the whole purpose of being here on earth. And when I have that opportunity to look down these people's time, I call them timelines, oftentimes I don't see that these individuals have a timeline that represents them being here 95 years or 85 years. Hmm. You know, these are souls that are generally coming in who are very sensitive. Oftentimes they're very old souls, okay? And they come in and they experience what they're experiencing. And as they leave this plane of existence, it leaves ripples like a ripple in a pond. And there is a lot of learning that happens as they leave. And so it's it's not necessarily to say that 
you know, well, they were meant to kill themselves or they were destined. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in the great mystery that is our existence on this planet, it's been shown to me that the levels of learning and literally the levels of understanding, sometimes they're way out of my pay grade, everything is a braid and it braids in with one another. And I would tell people, if you're out there listening right now and you're considering suicide, you know, before you allow that black corner to come up on you and and feel like you're just staring two inches away and you have zero uh, ways to get out of this. It, that weight that you're feeling right now, that unbelievable crushing weight of limitation and fear and depression, I want to acknowledge for you that that weight is a real thing. And I am so sorry that you are feeling that. And I would implore you to push through that to at least text somebody or make a call because the one thing, the one, the one crowbar that can get under that heavy oppressive stone crushing you right now that could loosen it from the mud of the despair that you're in is connection. That's honestly the one crowbar that I've seen that works. If there's anybody at all that you can reach out to and you know, Daniel, that's, that's the best answer I can possibly give you. Suicide is tragic. And we in the United States, as Sahara was saying, are experiencing an epidemic number of it because of this fear consciousness that that we've been discussing on the show today and just remember that that is a lens. It is a perception, and it doesn't take away from the feeling of the weight of oppression. Yet, if we can just remember that that is a lens in that moment, it's a snapshot, it's a weather pattern, and it's going to blow through, that may help those who are struggling. I have a uh, question that's 10 times harder than that one. Now, I've been a, a pretty ardent uh, anti-abortionist, but shall we say psychic, that said that sometimes souls want to back out. Sometimes they choose from their side to back out spontaneous abortion or something, and we really shouldn't be stabbing them and hurting them from this side. Uh, what what do you say about boarding the mission of, of children that are trying to get into the world? Boy, well, I, I think it's uh, there are too many ways that that needs to be looked at. This is Sahara. And one thing I would like to ask Danielle about this is um, because I had heard at one point that the soul doesn't actually enter the fetus for a period of time. So in the early stages, the soul isn't even there. And if that's so, then... Um, the the mother, the conduit for that being um, gets to have a choice of what's going on in their life and how appropriate it is at that time for them to become a mother because women get pregnant under many different circumstances and I don't think it's anybody's business to judge what a woman does with their body. But what do you have to say, Danielle, about do you know when the soul comes into the fetus? You know, what's interesting is there is a, I guess you could call it like a hookup pattern. You know, like when you hook cable up to your house and all of a sudden your TV pops on and 
the, you know, when those cells are dividing and Daniel, you know, obviously life is precious. It's a precious thing. It's a precious gift. And when those cells are dividing in the womb and pretty soon they're dividing enough to be a blob and pretty soon they're dividing enough to have a little heartbeat and whatever. Um, it's been my observation and this is simply my observation and this in 285 will get you a cup of coffee at a gas station. However, um, you know, that's the truth. (laughs) Yet my observation here has been that once the electromagnetic relay starts to work in that little lump of flesh, once the heart starts pumping, once the brain starts forming, uh, the spinal column starts coming up, once there is somewhere for the energy of the spirit to latch onto the flesh, that's kind of where that little soul starts hooking in. And, you know, it's interesting, Daniel, because uh, my, I, on my dad's side of the family, they are all uh, licensed psychotherapists, and my father is married to uh, a medical doctor, and she's wonderful. And so I get an opportunity to talk a lot of science and, and medicine with uh, people, which I think is equally as important as the spirit. Mm-hmm. And what I've noted, Daniel, is that there are tons of surveys and all kinds of uh, documentations out there. When we die, up to three ounces, three ounces of matter leaves the body. And, I mean, we're talking, Daniel, we're talking a bed that is like, they're accounting for every ounce of the sheets and the pillows, and they've got a person on it, and the whole thing is set up to actually, you know, literally track the weight. Up to three ounces leaves the body. So we can call that electrical three ounces that's electromagnetic, and the, the scientific field has felt an electromagnetic field rise up out of the body up to three ounces leaves. Hmm. So we can call that the soul, for instance, okay? So if we're we're thinking about that on the principle of we have two electromagnetic uh, organs in the body, we've got the heart and we've got the brain, and we are electromagnetically generated, and science has no clue why we have this electricity in our body except it leaves when we die. So if we were to follow the supposition that the soul was elect- in part electromagnetic, then what I've noticed with fetuses or little beady babies, beady babies, is that once the soul has a way to link in or engage with the flesh through an electromagnetic relay, which would be the heart of the brain, it, or even sometimes the spinal column, that's when the soul kind of, you know, it's like a, like a screwdriver. You know, it screws itself in. It says, okay, I've got my anchor point. I know what I can, the flesh can hold me. The flesh can take me. And in answer to your question about souls who may be aborted or whatnot, um, it's been my observation in working with some of these mamas, a lot of times those babies come back around for those mamas. You know, it's it's just not the right time for them. And it's kind of like landing a plane on a runway. You know, have you ever, Daniel, if you've ever tried to land in, you know, Denver and you got these horrible crosswinds and here you're getting ready to land and all of a sudden you're, you know, 10 feet from the runway and all of a sudden those engines roar and you go flying back up and the captain comes on and says, we are sorry, ladies and gentlemen, the crosswinds were too severe. We're going to take a ride around Denver and we'll be landing shortly. So a lot of times those babies, it just wasn't their time yet, but they do tend to come around for that mama at a later time. And, and now, as far as why that happens, Daniel, that is squarely out of my pay grade. You will have to consult my good buddy, God, for that one. Thank, oh, thanks, okay. Daniel. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. You bet. Bye-bye. So, fear. Fear is a big issue the, that 
Indeed, as you mentioned, just simply talking about insurance companies, uh, that is one thing that they try to sell you. You know, if anything happens to you, and trust me, the odds are against you, um, you might as well get some insurance that if that happens, that you're protected. And that is indeed when you buy something new these days, they right away try to sell you some insurance with it so that you pay an extra so many hundred dollars a year so that you, if the machine breaks, you get protection. Fear is big, and I think it is indeed a controlling energy that not just controls us in our uh, in our daily living, but it is a way to control other people as well. And I think that uh, the media today uh, is very busy trying to give you this idea, this false sense of what is right or what is not right, but make you doubt the reality and not giving people a chance almost to think for themselves anymore but literally say, this is what you need to think. And then if you, once you grab onto that concept, you're going to be stuck because you don't know anymore how to get out of that, that feeling of fear. So that's what we'll talk about in the next segment is how we move out of fear and liberate ourselves. Correct. Great point. All right. Danielle Agnew and Sahara Devi guests on Gesundheit with Jacobus this morning. We are going to take a break for the news. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. We just talked about, I just mentioned uh, frequency, I mentioned fear. There are frequencies or things that we don't, we don't see. Um, most of us don't. But we know there is something around us. We, we, we may have certain feelings of unease. Uh, we may feel something when we are standing with a person that is either a very warming feeling or a chilling feeling or a fearful feeling, or being intimidated feeling, these are all frequencies. And when I tell people, they say, well, that's a bunch of baloney. And I said, okay, you are sending a text message on your cell phone. Where is it going? How come that I literally can send a text message to my sister in the Netherlands, and she receives it five seconds later? How was that possible? And we do know, obviously, it is through satellites. I said, do you see a bunch of wires going into space and <laughs> then reconnecting? That would actually be too slow. Cables would not be able to send energy that quickly. But there is something about the existence of energy and frequency that uh, we have all accepted for what it is, but we don't think any further what it really means, what it, how we can interpret it, how we can use it or abuse it. Does that make sense what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so I I know that everybody has become more aware about energies. And I, I keep thinking about that movie Lucy. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Lucy. With, I did not. Uh, ah, shoot, what is her name now? Well, she's some superheroine. And, uh, but anyway, she is able to see. And all of a sudden she's in the car and she sees all these people on cell phones. And you see all these frequencies just coming out going up into space because that is what they're doing and she can see that and she can she goes with her hand kind of go through the waves and picks up on one person talking on the phone and grabs it and listens in and she can sit in the car and listen into somebody's conversation anyway it's an interesting movie wow. uh good action flick by the way great action flick um <laughs> but you know it really is i gotta gotta find all the information for you let you know who plays in it but um, I, I've, I have a sense that 
it's almost people don't want to know about it. They don't want to get involved with it because once you accept the fact that frequencies are all in us and around us and that we're, we're put together by frequencies, you will have to take responsibility for what you say and what you do. Once you accept it, that's it, right? You cannot go back like you were talking earlier. You cannot go back to a state in which you could deny it because you just didn't know it existed. Now we do know frequencies all around us. So how are we taking responsibility in utilizing frequencies to the best of our capability and to our own benefits and to the benefits of the planet? I think you hit something square on the head there is the accountability aspect. Yeah. Because in my work, in Sahara's work, where we come from is what I'm broadcasting into the world. Nobody's making me say what I say. I can't blame my parents. I can't blame a childhood. Nobody has a gun to my head. I am mm-hmm. choosing mm-hmm. to put out these words into, you know, into the realm. Wait, wait. I have to say something about that. Yeah. When you say choice and when people speak about free will, my contention, observation, what have you, is that, in fact, until we reach a certain level of consciousness, yeah. we do not have choice and we do not have free will because we are in automatic reaction to the stimuli that are coming at us. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree with that. And to add to that point, if we are con- if we are constantly in reaction mode instead of responding mode, if we are constantly triggered and jumping up and down like a nervous little guinea pig in a cage instead of observing and deciding how to respond, then you are correct. We do not have will in that moment. We have a biological response that, uh, you know, to go back to our old buddy fear, you know, generally is driven into us through a programmed fear consciousness and sometimes biological fear. So what you're talking about, Jacobus, is when we have this frequency that we decide to take responsibility for, it is real important for folks to know this. Whether you believe it or not is inconsequential to the fact that it is, uh, again, I go back to a lot of scientific data here, uh, wavelengths, brain waves have been measured in the air. And we think, oh, telepathy is BS and blah, blah, blah. Well, the only way that I'm able to work on a crime scene, and which is never uh, necessarily super enjoyable emotionally, yet it's functional to help families have closure. You know, if I'm holding an object uh, that was used in a crime, I can then connect to the frequency of the person who killed that individual. Mm. Then I am able to find them on the radio dial in the air. I am able to connect with that individual in their brainwave pattern and begin to, because the frequency was left on the knife. Correct. So when you're talking about being mindful of the frequencies that we put out there, and medical science has shown that we can measure brainwaves in the air, just like you're saying a text message all the way to the Netherlands, then we do then become responsible for, if we're, if we're walking around, if I may just boil this down to a very basic concept here, if I'm wandering around and I'm just thinking nasty thoughts all day and programmed negative thoughts, and perhaps maybe I've not had the opportunity or the experience to retrain my thinking... So I'm not judging anybody out there. I mean, we're raised how we're raised. You know, eventually we have to take responsibility for that. Yet a lot of us, as Sahara pointed out, are walking around on autopilot. 
right? And we're just reacting all the time. So if I'm walking around with all constant negative thoughts and my go-to is negativity, I am literally, think of your brain as a smokestack. I'm putting black smoke out into the air. Unfiltered, I mean, the, the EPA would be having a nightmare with me because that's literally the vibration I'm putting out. Now, I'm standing next to somebody in a grocery store line, yeah. and I'm just eking this negativity out there mm-hmm. because your brain, Jacobus, and your brain, Sahara, is made like my brain. It means it's going to attract and pick up those electromagnetic signals. So you're going to start feeling oogie yeah. and heavy. Mm-hmm. And think about how many of us go around dumping garbage into the ethers. It, that is a real issue. And mm-hmm. just really quickly to tag onto that, our cell phones, Facebook, social media, when people rage online, the energy that they take and they rage in that post and they knock it into that computer, a computer is an electromagnetic device. It is literally taking the energy from the fingertips, sucking it into the energy of the computer, and it is blowing it through the ethers, as you said, wireless. Yep. So all that rage is going all around the world. Yeah. And that's why it's important to put love out on Facebook, too, to balance that. But yeah, frequency is everywhere. Okay, so first of all, uh, people can say woo-woo, whatever they want, but quantum physics mm-hmm. <laughs> has yes. demonstrated that by observing the observer uh, has an effect on what it's observing, okay? So particle, wave, what have you. So this is scientific. It, it's a fact. It's like climate change, okay? I don't care if you believe it or not. There's something happening. Now, the essential thing here is that everything is energy. Correct. And that we, as organisms, are essentially energetic fields that coalesce into the physical. Correct. Now, the way I used to teach a class at the uh, Gallatin Valley Detention Center. Right. And I would sit I in a... I know you see yoga, yoga class. Well, and I also <clears throat> taught a class on what I called consciousness. Okay. <laughs> They'd come to my yoga class and then i go, well, why don't you come and experience this? So I'd have all these prisoners sitting in a circle with me. Yeah. And I would say the way I explained it to them was imagine the difference when you're listening to heavy metal compared to if you're listening to a lullaby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a very simple Comparison. way yeah. to understand the quality of frequency. Yes. The frequency of heavy metal compared to the frequency of a lullaby. And then I would bring it to them and I would say, see what it feels like or imagine what it feels like in your body when you are hugging someone you love compared to you being in a state of aggression and or anger with somebody in your environment. Right. And in order for you to aggress on someone, Mm -hmm. that quality of energy, that frequency has to come 
through your body before mm. it gets to them, mm-hmm. and you are affecting yourself first. Yes, yes. So if you be, become aware of that, people aren't even aware of that. So mm-hmm. if you become aware of that, that's when you can begin to choose yeah. Yeah, yeah. what do I want to experience and then when I choose what I want to experience, that's what I express. Yes. So if I want to experience love, I'm going to be loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the end of the story. I'm not looking for somebody else to be a person that I'm depending on to yeah. make me feel good about myself and feel loved. Yeah. The source of love exists in our own heart. When we tap that, when we cultivate that in our bodies and beings, it begins to bubble up and come out of it. And then if we have the awareness to deliberately express that, we are creating a field of that frequency around us Mm -hmm. and carrying Mm -hmm. that frequency Mm -hmm. wherever we go into the community. Correct. So I've been having the experience, an amazing experience recently, because I give out those little thank you cards. Uh You've been involved in that, Mm -hmm. Jacobus. And so when I go to the supermarket, when I go to the post, wherever I go, yeah. Any business, store, what have you I go into, I always give someone there. And I interact with them. This is another point I have been wanting to make for a really long time. I interact with everybody that I come in contact with as a precious being. They are not just a cipher Mm -hmm. fulfilling a function. Okay. And so I bring that to them in my encounters. And this has been going on for months. And now, this is the sweet thing. When I walk in somewhere mm-hmm. and somebody sees me, their face lights up when they see me. And it's just like, oh my God, you know, because I have affected them with my love. I have filled them to a degree with my love so that it's like a tuning fork. When I come into their environment, they vibrate to the frequency that I'm holding. Correct. And that has uplifted them and in a way reminded them of what they are in reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though they might not make that connection, but in my presence, they're experiencing that. Mm-hmm. That's a precious thing. Amen! <laughs> that is awesome! I hope everybody goes and finds this show on the archives and replays that part and just makes it your ringtone, okay, people? Because that is it! That's exactly right, Sahara. That's amazing. The uh, Sahara Devi and Danielle Agnew are my guests on Gesundheit with Jacobus. If you'd like to weigh in, by all means, 522-8255, 402 talk 
You can also text me at 406-266-7617. You're tuned in to News Radio AM 1450 KMMS and AM 1340 KPRK. I, I really appreciate all of you listening, and I hope you are enjoying the program. I always learn so much from listening to my guests, let give them a chance to talk and give them a chance to say how they want to say, how they want to relate a message. And um, it's very much appreciated. So, you know, Sahara... I, d- d- I want to add yeah. something. Excuse me for interrupting no, for you, it. but it's something very important. I'm not special, okay? I have just been aiming in this direction for my whole life, which is why I have finally reached it. But every one of us is meant to refine our frequencies to that point where we experience ourselves as love and we bring that energy into our environment and share it with each other. And that's what's going on right now on our planet is that we're getting a lot of assistance from the cosmic mm, legions of love that are pouring specific frequencies. I want Danielle to talk about this onto the planet, assisting us, supporting us, enabling us in raising our personal frequencies for the purpose of transforming the world. We're in this trans- time of transformation, and and it's available to all of us. And if there's one thing I want to say to this audience is you're a part of this, and I encourage you to do whatever you feel to do to bring yourself into this community that's bringing more light and more love into our community, onto the planet, and making the world a better place for all of us. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, it is. It is. It, it brings up a lot of thoughts in me as you are talking. Um, obviously, that all sounds like an ideal situation, and I know in my heart that it is possible. Thank but you. it starts. <laughs> yeah, but it starts indeed, like you say, with the individual, because. We have free will, right? We have free will to choose to become the best we want to be and to have the best, to send out the best energy, to first of all, invoke the best energy as it is appears, as it is given to us, right? From cosmos, where you, you, also within ourselves. We already have that gift within ourselves. But we have this free will to do with that what we want. I do believe that if we want to help our soul, we talked earlier about a soul, if we want to help a soul to be surrounded by a body of mind and spirit that supports it and that gives us a chance to be to, to fulfill our plan on this planet, our divine plan on the planet, we have a responsibility indeed to not ignore frequency, but to not only, but, but to use the frequency in the best possible way. We are surrounded with a lot of negativity too. And part of that is, it is nice to know that there is a lot of love. There is love if your focus is love. If you want to see love, that's what you see. 
Right. Right. Yes. You you are looking. You say you go to a grocery store and people are smiling at you and this and that. That is also what you want. You you say this is what I send out, and you find out there are people that you pick up on who have a similar feeling of yes, I want what love means to them is a very positive energy. They want that love to be manifested, and that's what you pick up on. Those are the people that you see. Yeah. But for yeah. every person you see, there is probably five, six, seven people who are so stuck in their own depression and in their own stress. The word love is something that is way on the back burner at this point because they're not able to manifest that this, at right. this point. Right. And so I think that it always starts with us, with ourselves. Yes. Before we want to say how the whole planet has to change and what we need to do and what people in politics need to do and people in religion need to do, it <laughs> right. all starts with us. Absolutely. Yes, and it does. that is where it grows. And if you, and that's why I said earlier, since we do know there is frequency, we cannot deny it. We cannot just say it doesn't exist. It does exist. We right. know it does exist. Yeah. We're working with it every day. So let's use that frequency and, and, and become the best we can be for, first. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> well, we better go. Uh, we better go take a break, and uh, then we will be right back. So stay tuned, please. We'll be right back. My goodness, that was a great, uh, great segment where we talked about love and about understanding. Because I see there is, um, I I know in my heart I'm a very positive person. And I really always see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. There is um, um, there is a solution to the problem. Even if it is in my work, discussing health with people and dealing with our own personal health issues that they come in and talk to me about. I am not a doctor, but I can listen to the story. And um, I don't blow smoke up their noses. I literally listen and try to translate, try to break down the issues that are laying in front of me into a, into sections that I say, look at it this way, look at it this way, and let's see how we can move forward for me, how we can give you possible things to consider. Because once you change the, the switch inside the mind and inside the heart, that there is hope for a better future, then it almost is that I help people feeling encouraged to start taking the steps to continue the healing process. And, and that is with, that's why you've been so successful yeah. in your business, because of the caring, because of the support you give people, well, and because of the goodness of your heart, really, Jacobus. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It, but for me, that is, if I can instill in people, <clears throat> like I said, it's not a, <clears throat> I'm not trying to tell them something that doesn't exist. I literally look at them and listen and try to hear between the, the symptomology. I try to understand the person who is behind the symptoms because to me, the symptoms are just a physical manifestation or an emotional manifestation of something that has been burdening them for a longer time. And uh, even if somebody comes in and has arthritis, you don't just wake up and have arthritis. Right. And, and not all arthritis is the same. Some is simply 
because of overwork, but some of it is really because of anger and because of pain. Yeah. And 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 to un- to help people understand that that may very well be a possibility, and to actually see them literally break down, that it's almost as oh my goodness, I've known it and I've hidden it, I've known it and I've tried to push it away, and all of a sudden I bring it to the surface in talking to them. And it gives them hope that, you know what, I can start the healing process. And that's what it is all about. If you want to send love out in the world, you have to start somewhere. You have to start understanding what love means to you and then try to send that energy, that vibration out there. If you want to start the healing process, you need to know that you can heal. And once you can heal, that energy goes forward and it will guide you. It is like this little light over you wherever you go. If you get desperate, you think, oh, no, 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 I can do this. You know, this is, there's a way. That's what I, that's how I visualize it. Well, and that's, that's, that's true. I mean, and the flesh, you know, the flesh is an amazing detection instrument when our emotionality, our vibrations, our emotions are out of whack. You know, like you said, uh, you know, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, anything that we consider an autoimmune disease, yeah. um, and think of the word disease, dis-ease, you are out right. of ease. Uh, the autoimmune issues, medical <gasps> science doesn't even know why the autoimmune issues exist. And something that I'm, uh, it's how I'm wired to see this, autoimmune issues come about when someone is a massive empath, and that is the ability to yeah. suck you know, information through the heart chakra, it's yeah. emotional information, and they're not aware of it. And again, we're talking electromagnetic impulses. If I'm sucking a lot of energy out of the ethers like a jet engine through my heart chakra, so think of a jet engine in your chest, and you're sucking it all in, and you have no idea you're doing that, yeah. then all of that energy gets dispersed along the nerve network of the body like a fiber optic line and you're overloading those pipelines and what causes dis-ease? Well, inflammation. We know that inflammation yeah. is the root of all disease. So our bodies react to this over-influx of massive energy with the friction of all this energy working through our nerve meridians and our and we swell, you know? Mm-hmm. And so medical science looks at this and says, well, you've got an autoimmune issue because you've got swelling in your joints and blah. And I look at that and think, oh my goodness, this is an empath who is unaware that they are taking in so much information and, and it's, it's overloading their system and they don't understand how to regulate that. They don't understand what to do with this gift or this energy. And so we, you know, technically most people go to the doctor and they stick them on mystery pharmaceuticals that don't really fix the problem and it breaks their bones down and then it just gets weird. And I think that leads us to an even larger concept of not only the awareness, you know, of of allowing love through the body, but what the heck is love? You know, because yeah, I think that was a question that I had actually at the end of the last segment. Let's explain love. Let what does it mean? Because it can be different things for different people. Well, and, and it absolutely, and it makes me think of that song. What is love? I almost played it <laughs> anyway. You know, right? Yeah. And I mean, really, what is love? And and Sahara and I were speaking on the break that there are many people who don't even understand the strength of that vibration or frequency or emotion. It is a verb. It's not an ideal. It's a verb. It's an action. Love is very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to think of love like, oh, I'm in love. I've got a unicorn and a butterfly, and I'm in love. I'm in love. You know, And that's one aspect of the love feeling, yeah. um, which is actually a spike in serotonin and dopamine in the brain, and rock on for that. 
Yet the energies of love are powerful. And it is love that will have a mother lift a several-ton car off of her child. It is love, as you talk about, Jacobus, that channels unbelievable capacity through the body Mm. to heal, to bring transformation, and to establish loving stewardship and perimeter. So when we talk about being loving, we're not even simply talking about, you know, being kind to our fellow man and woman and humans, which, of course, is very important. We are talking about inviting an energy and frequency and housing it within the body and to have the courage to then act on the magnificence of this frequency to bring forward into the world the change that this love is acting on our behalf to bring forward. And I tell you, it's a courage issue for many of us because a lot of us have never been modeled love. Now, I was. I grew up in a huge Italian family. I got told I was loved more than more than take out the garbage, more than, more than you're a bad kid. Yeah. And that love vibration, um, that love verb, that love perimeter, that love stewardship was ingrained in my consciousness, my mind, my body, and my spirit. And I am a lucky person mm-hmm. because I've noticed that's not, everybody's, that's not everybody's way of being. It is not. And if we can understand that, you know, if you're listening today, And you're listening to this going, well, lucky you, you know, my mom was mean and my dad never was around and, you know, lucky you that you have this. (coughs) You are not missing something in you because you didn't happen to have my childhood. Because as Sahara pointed out and Jacobus, as you pointed out, we at any time can invite this change in perception and this change in operating system. How do you enact in the world? We can make those changes at any time. And, and baby steps, people, baby steps. You know, don't knock yourself out being angry at yourself and your life and your parents because maybe you didn't have the love. Learning that if, if you go into a grocery store and say you're having the worst day in the world, I mean rotten, okay? Try this one little tiny exercise. Here's, here's a tangible thing you can do. If you're listening to me going, okay, unicorn lady, you and your love, whatever. Here's a tangible thing you can do is if you're having a rotten day, Go in, even though you feel rotten, and and maybe you've been trained that you want to poke somebody with a stick because to watch somebody else hurt makes you hurt less. Most of us are trained that way. Right. Right. So here is your action step. So go today forward, and even though you may be having the worst existence ever, find something about someone else that you are observing that you admire, and all you have to do today, you only have to do it one time, tell them about it. That's it. Maybe it's somebody you know, maybe it's somebody you don't know. But when, as you pointed out, Sahara, in the last segment, when we actually act on the courage that it takes to change our own vibration, change our own thought process, and bring into the world a differing modality, when we have the courage to do that, and we look at somebody we don't know and we say, you know, that shirt looks really good on you. And you watch that person just shocked turn around to you and say, wow, okay, thank you. You know, you have changed, as Sahara brought up, you've changed your own vibration, and you're on the road to understanding what love is. I have a suggestion, uh, Danielle, since you're bringing in uh, how to, um, if we want to get really practical, and referring to you, Jacobus, saying we have to begin with ourselves. Yes. Okay, so this is a little practice that came to me in 2014 that absolutely 
changed my life in the most dramatic way. And it wasn't as if I had not been at my heart, literally a loving person. However, I had so much static, so much junk, so much that had happened in my life that affected me in a psychological way that it was interfering with my ability to love, okay? This little practice came, and in for me, it was one week of devoted, concentrated practice. I felt like an entirely different person, and this is what it is. It's very simple. You put your hands on your heart, you close your eyes, And you repeat, I love you. I love you. I love you. You're talking to your own heart. I turned it into a little song because that's the way I feel things the most. So I go around, I love you. 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 I do. What I can tell you is that if you do this to and for yourself, if you speak to your own heart in this way repeatedly all through the day, wherever you are, you can do it before you go to sleep, you can do it when you wake up in the morning, you can do it in the shower, driving in the car, you will begin Fill yourself with that feeling, that vibration, that frequency. It will change the way you feel about yourself. It will change the way you feel about people around you. It will change the way you see the world. It will change everything. So now you have it. No excuses. If you want to experience that frequency, go for it. There you go. Well said. Yes. <clears throat> I was doing that exercise while you were doing that. That was lovely. <laughs> that was lovely. I have a few uh, text messages, but we also have a call on hold who was waiting. I want to let you know that my wife texted me and said it was Scarlett Johansson in the movie. Oh, right on. Yeah. Called Lucy. If you have a chance to see it sometime, very interesting. Oh. Very interesting, and I think, um, what's his name, Morgan Freeman plays in it too. Wow. Yeah, it's a great movie. It really is a good action flick. So um, anyway, uh, caller, let's first get the caller, then we get to the text messages. Good morning, caller. Thanks for waiting. Uh, What's your name? How can we help you, please? Hi, Jacobus. This is Ted. I was uh, confused for a minute there. I thought they had rescheduled George Norrie's Coast to Coast program. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Uh, No, I... (laughs) I really appreciate the conversation, guys. Um, Thanks, Dave. And I just, I just had a, a, a little piece. It, it just reminded me of an experience that I had. I'm a father, and I have some young kids. And, um, and I didn't, you know, I'm kind of new to this whole circle of energy and frequencies and all this stuff. And, uh, and a really cool experience I had. Um, I had a two-year-old toddler who was, you know, most of the time sharing the bed with me and my wife. And 
and I'd come home from work late at night, crawl into bed, and in his sleep, he'd always snuggle up to me, and he'd give me these head snuggles, right, and get yeah. his head really close to my head, and uh, and it was always just so comforting, and um, I started paying attention to it and just kind of meditating into that moment. I could start feeling his energy, and uh, the more I focused on it, I could feel it pulsating and throbbing like in my teeth and it just it felt so good but it was this building energy and um and i kind of started experimenting with it and what i found is if laying in bed next to my two-year-old i felt that throbbing energy in my teeth and i bit down on that energy he would wake up wake up out of his sleep Wow. immediately every time it was just absolutely bizarre but it it was just you know kind of a, a proof to me just really simple rudimentary you know bringing my awareness to energy and that's that's so close you know as close as you can be bringing two heads together um but um what i've found being a father of young children is that um they don't have as much of it intellectual filter that we've developed as adults sure and they are so much more sensitive to those energies and the energy that's in your heart and, and that emotion that you're carrying uh like they were describing and so um i think that's something you know the more you are aware of it and can strip away your inhibitions to uh you know pay attention to it um there's a lot of validity there so huh. just uh yeah I hope that's uh, interesting conversation. What a great, uh, what a great observation, Ted, and uh, very well said, very well shared. Well, and you're very lucky. You're very lucky, Ted, to have that experience and and to be able to move into that harmonious um, uh, energy with your son to feel it and to feel him and to feel yourself. That's a precious thing and. Probably pretty rare, especially among fathers. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It's been a, a fun process for me. And you know, Ted, just just I, I love that story so much. And thank you for choosing to share that with everybody. And when you talked about your teeth, it made me think of Ludwig van Beethoven, who you know he lost his hearing yeah. as he was right. composing, right? And he would hold a whalebone in his teeth. When he was writing his music, sometimes he used to actually bite down on the piano so he could feel the vibration huh. come through the teeth and the skull. And uh, just this is just a little uh, metaphysical tidbit for you on our unofficial George Norrie section here, Ted. Um, yet, you know, that, that actually, the, the third eye, which is the chakra point that, you know, sits what we like to say, you know, between the eyebrows a little bit up, it's uh, the pineal gland area. That that area of the body, that chakra point, is exceptionally sensitive to vibration, and so is the throat chakra. So you're feeling all this, you're feeling all of this mm. in your teeth, right? And those are the two receptors and chakras. If you want to think about them as rivets, kind of that hold the spirit into the body, and that's a terrible way to describe them. Yet, you know, those two rivet points are picking up that vibration. So how wonderful for you to share people a physical experience as well as an emotional one. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I feel too, Ted, is that uh, once you have an experience like that, it's the same that we were talking about earlier. How can you ever go back to believing that it doesn't exist? So right. sometimes we are confronted either with our own children or with somebody else at work 
or a neighbor or in a relationship that educates us, that teaches us moments that opens our eyes, opens our hearts to something that we had never really paid attention to. And once it enters our world, we cannot really deny it anymore and not use it as we move forward. So this is, I think, a very interesting and helpful way for you to become the best you can you can be because of the 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 presence of your son in your life now yeah absolutely and it's and like you say not being able to deny it it's a sort of a point of personal accountability for awareness as well totally Hmm. well thank you so much yeah thank you guys have a great day yeah you as well you too ted bye-bye let's get to our text messages um there is Please ask Danielle to share some tools, first steps towards raising your vibration. Thank you. Wow. Well, this is great. And it's so, and tell whomever, hey, whoever texted that, that's great. You are literally sharing in the quantum field of discussion <laughs> that Sahara and I were having in the break. So right on. You know, some of the things that we can do, just some of the first steps that we can go through to work on our vibration for me personally, and then Sahara, I'm going to throw that to you because I'm sure you have like 50,000 great ideas, uh, is that our lens of the world, what we choose to focus on, really does create the channel for which all of our emotions flow. And that old saying, you know, where thoughts go, energy flows, right? So one of the baby steps that we can take is, and I, I usually pick one thing for a day. Maybe I'm a one-trick pony over here. I don't know. Yet I'll pick the one thing to do, and what I would suggest is pick a day where every time you hear your inner dialogue start to get negative about yourself or start to get rotten about, oh, I'm stupid or I'm fat or I didn't get there in time or think, you know, we don't realize how many times we shoot ourselves in the foot because in my opinion, we've been wrongly trained by society with a false humility that if we strip ourselves down to nothing and call ourselves, you know, maggots under the heel of God here, somehow that is considered humility or, or being realistic with the self. And truly that's just self abuse flat up because there's a big fat difference between being accountable and saying, gosh, darn it. I I have some areas in my self that I'd like to work on and abusing the self. So one baby step would be during that day, every time you start to berate yourself or you start to get down on yourself to to change that conversation. And if it's, wow, I can't get into these pants again because I'm extra fat, saying, gosh, darn it, I am so glad that my legs work. I am so happy my legs work. There's so many people that, that don't have that option. And if you want to say, you know, you're doing your checkbook and we go so many rounds with self-abuse over money, which is just an energy and that's a whole nother show. Uh, instead of saying, oh, you spent too much money, you're a loser, you're going to be starving and out on the street and eating cat food when you're 60, you know? <laughs> you know, instead of going that route, saying to yourself, you know what, I edified and I blessed so many vendors this month for Christmas, say. Uh, that was my version of tithing. And this next month when I go into my budget, I'm going to tithe to myself. So I've given to the many and now I give to myself. So again, there's a difference between self-abuse, being discerning about adjusting behaviors that need adjustment, and and just being rotten with ourselves. So that's one way to do it. And another baby step that I would give to people is having the ability to find, again, like I said in the last uh, uh, minute, being able to, to look at people and pay people compliments. They're not hollow. 
because you will feel yourself feel better and you will watch that person light up, as Sahara said, and that energy field will make you feel different and your brain will start rerouting the chemicals that it makes to experience the world through love and happiness instead of experiencing the world through anger and fear. Right. You can you can choose, yes. One of my uplift and inspire cards says, and it's really one of my favorites, be someone who makes everyone feel good about themselves. That's right. Yeah. Great point. Yes. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We also have a caller on hold who would like to join in. Uh, good morning, caller. Thanks for waiting. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Yes. Hello. My name is Dan Smith, longtime friend and consultant with uh, Danielle. Danielle hey, Aiken. Dan, how are you? How are you? Good morning. Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, thank Happy you, Dan. New Year. Uh, I just got a quick question. It's actually talked about, uh, actually I talked to Danielle recently about this, but I think it would benefit everybody because as you go into the new year, you know, you're always trying to keep your balance, but necessarily maybe not always involved with family, um, you know, around the holidays and the new years where they're maybe not, they're not as maintaining their center of balance. How is it, you know, especially around a lot of different issues, how does one really uh, maintain their balance or center uh, when dealing with others maybe that aren't so able to do that or equipped to do that. Um, maybe you can give some ideas on how to do that and how that uh, you can best serve those people you're around by maybe keeping your center and your balance when, when dealing with them. Oh. You know, Dan, that's a great question. And thanks for calling from New York, by the way. That's just completely yeah, cool. Calling from New York. East Woo. Coast. We're listening awesome. in Montana. We're listening. Right yeah, on. Thanks. Thank that's you, fantastic. man. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the things, Dan, that I would tell you is that in 2019's year of reconstruction, you know, one of the challenges that we have is breaking down the parts of the old world that don't work anymore and then building onto the scaffolding with new improvements. Now, to, uh, now I'll get directly to your question about how do we navigate folks who may be uh, negative, or maybe they have a different viewpoint than we do, or maybe their understanding of the world is, as Sahara was talking about, going after somebody to be negative. That's what they learned. They think that's intimacy, Dan. And people confuse drama with emotional and spiritual intimacy all the time mm -hmm. because we look at the media, right? And, and you've got people yelling at each other on the TV and blah, and we think that that's connection. So if we are people who are coming from a love center or a peace center, and one of the, one of the tools I talk about, and the angelic kingdom has given this one to me, is that if we can sit back, Dan, and we can observe, be an observer, you know, observe the culture of that other individual, rather than participating with a culture that may be foreign to us and we don't understand, and just kind of let them do their thing, then we have the opportunity to not get, quote, sucked in to their emotional response. And, and let me just expand on that a little bit more. Um, if if I, am, I'm, I am of the school of love, I am of the culture of love, it's not to say I haven't had my rotten times and acted like a jerk and done all the things that we do as people. However, Dan, one of the things that I'm shown by the angelic kingdom is that everybody's experience is literally their teaching tool in that moment. So it's really easy for us to sit in judgment of somebody else that we disagree with. 
right? It's it's easy to go, oh, that person's a you know a jerk and this and that, and they're they're negative and they don't have my political views and all this. Yet, if we were to listen to that person and observe them as if they beamed in from another planet, we wouldn't be judging that person because they would be from such a different culture that we would have no uh, auspice on which to judge them. So if we can simply observe people's behavior and give them the respect to have the space for, if they want to fill that their own sphere with negativity and nasty and whatever, and just to allow that to happen, Dan, and to say, okay, well, I'm just watching you do that. And it would be like if somebody was sitting across the table from me, speaking at me in Mandarin Chinese as fast as they could, I couldn't really be offended by that because I don't understand the language. So if, if you know, Dan, and so if we truly are centered in who we are and in what our chosen, if you want to call it a belief system or our lens is, then someone who is experiencing a different emotional culture or energetic culture at us, if you will, um, isn't really going to affect us all that much because we're just observing it. And, and, you know, Dan, and you're a huge empath too, you know, and so it's important that people know when they're listening, if you are an empath, you're somebody who absorbs emotional energies, right? And Jacobus, you're a huge empath. (laughs) You are. And Sahara, so are you. So it's important to note that sometimes it's, it's necessary for us, Dan, to, even though we're in observation of someone else's process, when it starts to physically affect our being, you know, we can just politely excuse ourselves and maybe go to the restroom and shake it off. And sometimes I've actually gone to, to a restroom and washed my hands. Not that I'm washing my hands of that person. It's just that water is a huge semiconductor of electromagnetic energy. Mm. And I've noticed if I've sucked in too much of that energy from somebody's energy field, maybe maybe they're saying something that pushes my buttons and challenges my beliefs. Yeah. And that's not that's not their fault, Dan. That that might mean that I don't actually believe what I believe. Maybe they're giving me an opportunity to evaluate my own belief system. Yet if I invite too much of that negativity in, I'll go in, I'll rinse my hands off, and I'll let that go down the drain. And um, I, I just these angels have shown me that they observe us all the time, and they've taught me to be in an observer mode rather than an engagement mode. Unless I need to learn about myself, then I can engage them all day long, which never really ends up good for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because you were talking about emotionally charged situations, and uh, I think, as you know, there's a you know maybe finance is one that really gets people uh, emotionally charged, and there's there's some negativity and just a lot of different ideas around finances, and you know I've been dealing with that in a, in a family situation, and uh, it's it's uh, it's one I think guess you're right. You really just have to remove yourself because even even us as a, individuals when we we're you know, we're engaging with somebody in something maybe negative and it involves maybe something like emotionally charged with finances, you kind of kind of find your center um, and really just find a way of, uh, I guess, staying centered so that, that you can have some sort of a reasonable, rational conversation or, or interaction, I guess, is a, for lack of a better word, when um, when dealing with that. So uh, I really I appreciate your insight. It always, uh, I always feel better after speaking with you. So... Uh, thank you again, and thank you guys for what you're doing today. Today, and uh, continue to success and happy new year. Thank you, Dan. Happy, happy new, new year. year. All right, all the best. Bye bye. Have good. Bye bye. Bye bye. I I want to go back to the previous caller who was asking about raising frequency. Yeah. Um, and there's another way you can look at this. 
um, I actually wrote a little note. If you go to my Facebook page, there's a note called Ignore Everything. And it uses the example of a vegan at a buffet. And if you're a vegan at a buffet, you're not going to put ribs and uh, steaks and chops on your plate. (laughs) So in the same way, um, the, the phrase that Danielle quoted, where your attention goes, energy flows, if you can be disciplined enough to maintain your focus on what you want to experience and ignore uh, those uh, realms that make you feel badly or engage or activate or trigger a, an anger response or an, a disturbance in you, that is one very practical way to raise your frequency. You focus on what you want and you ignore what you don't want. There's another, there's another way that um, you may be able to relate to if you eat something and it makes you feel bad, stop eating it. <laughs> true yeah there's that <laughs> it's really simple but what do you mean with ignoring it is it really ignoring or is it uh, not uh in engaging in a discussion with somebody you i i i often hear people speak and in a discussion too and i may not agree with them but there are days that i actually engage in the conversation and i may later regret it because it didn't take the high road but sometimes, or because it ends up dwindling down into a negativity. But I, if I'm, if I can control myself and literally let the person talk and understand that that's where they're coming from, even though I don't agree with it, but I'm just quiet. I'm just relaxed. I, I, I acknowledge, but not involve. Uh, sometimes that to me is not ignoring, but it is simply not engaging. Okay. Well, what you're talking about was this recent caller who wanted to know how to engage with family and or friends. Yeah. I'm speaking to the caller before the one with the, who uh, was with asking the about raising frequency. And when I say ignore everything, I mean, we're on social media. People maybe, uh, I don't, but, might choose to watch the news on television or read a newspaper. Um, That's what I'm talking about uh, would be advisable to ignore if you want to raise your frequency, okay? Mm -hmm. And in terms of having conversation with people, if I encounter someone who just wants to unload whatever their perception is, I just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. I smile at them. I let them say what they want to say. I give them a hug. and I let them be. I never engage. I never argue because you are not going to convince 
a person who has a strong opinion about anything. So in that situation, I'm just going to love them. I'm going to hug them. I'm going to wish them well. And I am never going to uh, have a conversation with them about a topic of that nature. There's no point in it. You said something just now that really inspired something in me. It's that you said, you know, I'm not going to convince them of this or that, or they're not going to convince me of this and that. And that falls in line with 2019's year of reconstruction. It really does. Because this, and and I get this information from the angelic realm, and they they tell me usually at the end of the, the previous year what we're going to go into in this year. And what I think is fascinating about that is that in the reconstruction process, the idea of proselytization and convincing and all of these old world modalities that were so very important in the old realm, and I'll get very briefly get to what the old world and new world means, um, you know, try to convince somebody of something. And, and that's what inspired me, Sahara, was your comment. If I am really sitting across the table from somebody and I'm arguing and convincing and I'm going to convince that person of my viewpoint and and you know, we see this, it's super popular. Uh, it started in 2016 for everybody to argue politics to an, a volatile and violent level, uh, to which I had never seen in my lifetime in America. So when we have got, we, we've gone through that experiment and now we're kind of coming out of that in 2019 going, oh, that was kind of skeevy. Let's just get back to being a little civil here. That was a little weird. So as we come out the other side of that, proselytizing to each other, it's important to know. That if you really feel the need to argue your point and argue your point and hang on like a pit bull to the throat of that person and just take them down with your authority, yeah. uh, what that actually means is you don't believe your own perspective. You don't believe yourself. Whenever we must defeat someone in their belief, it's because we don't actually believe it ourselves. And we can only prove Mm. that we truly believe that by beating somebody down. Mm. Because if you truly do believe, if you have your beliefs, those are unshakable. Interesting. Those are spiritual truths. It doesn't mean you can't get into a good-natured debate with somebody. Yet if you just can't leave it alone and you have to be right, there's something in you that just doesn't believe you. Huh. Really? That's a true thing. Wow. Interesting. Uh, for, for me, uh, beliefs um, have mostly dissolved out of my mm, arena. Um, there are knowings that have come to me that are completely personal, mm-hmm. um, and they're clear. I don't have to discuss them with anybody. Mm-hmm. I know I know what I am. I know what I'm doing here right now, the role that I'm playing. Uh, I know there are certain things that I perceive that I know in terms of what's going on on the planet, but mostly... I don't have to talk about those things. I don't have to talk about them unless I'm with somebody that can, I feel is on the same wavelength and can understand. That's interesting. 
I find too that in the 25 years that I've been involved in the natural retail, let's say retail and education in the natural alternative field, two things I want to say. The more I've learned about this field, the more I've realized I still don't know. That's Amen. true too. Right? Yes. yes. Because I realized that there's so many unbelievable experts. I'm talking to the both of you. You may not be totally into physical diseases, but you talk about metaphysical disorders that, uh, that uh, manifest themselves in the physical body. At the same time, I see also that as we are discussing these kind of topics, the more I've learned and the more enthusiastic I have become about the field that I'm in, as real as it sounds, I have a radio show, but the less I feel I need to talk about it. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I can sit in a conversation <laughs> in with family or with friends and not even mention my work. Not even mention because I am so interested in the lives of other people mm. and what they're doing. It's not about me needing to sell anything. It's mm. not me trying to convince somebody what I have learned, what I have studied. Now, if they ask me a, a certain question, I will be glad to answer it, but I feel less and less the need to talk about what I do when I'm in conversation with other people. Well, yeah. that's also uh, uh, an indication of a certain emotional maturity. Yes, <laughs> it is. Well, let's, let's <laughs> say that's it then. <laughs> My wife is happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what it is. No, but it's. Uh, but do you understand? I mean, you, yeah, you realize that yes. the more we study, the more we realize how much information is out that we haven't figured out, uh, or uh, I haven't figured out yet. But it is almost like when, when, when I talk to people who do, for example, a multi-level marketing product, they have one product and they're totally convinced that that is what is good. And they want to talk to everybody about something that they discovered. And now <laughs> yeah. they think it solves every problem on the planet. And it is simply, it is understandable that they, that they say that. But at the same time, we simply, um, I realize indeed once you continue to study, you realize that this product is just a very small pinhead in the whole larger scheme of all the uh, the wool that we find over here. So, and that has to do also in the world of spirituality. Totally, totally, yes, because yes. you recognize, well, if you're it lucky. Humbles you, it humbles you. But yes. if you're lucky, yeah. you recognize. But we have all gone Anyway, I have gone through stages where I felt like, oh, yes, this is the answer. Yeah. And I did oh, exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Spoke to everybody I knew about it. I don't do that anymore yeah. because I know that this knowing and this understanding is an ever-evolving process. Plus, yeah. first of all, it, I feel more enriched myself which is what we're talking about, we have to start with ourselves. So yes. sometimes we have to literally read the information, understand the information, internalize the information. Absolutely. And for me personally, <laughs> it, has, it has humbled me that I only know so little 
of something that is so amazing. And because of that, you just have a tendency to uh, to slow down and calm down and not be involved in it that much. Not and not uh, not needing the, f- the feeling the need to express it all the time. Yes, and and this is why I love you so much, Jacobus. Because really, you're you're an awesome human being. You <laughs> are. You, you are. Yeah. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Here we go. We'll be right back. Uh, talking about not always getting in, uh, not always engaging in a discussion or a conversation that may have a negative uh, connotation, um, may be sometimes the best thing we do instead of feeling that our voices have to be heard, because we know where we stand. We know what we. Uh, I keep seeing a phone line going on, and I don't know who is calling in. Uh, let's see if we can get the caller on. Um, I think we need to keep working on who we are ourselves. That will bring us strength on the inside. And I think once you recognize and acknowledge that strength that you have on the inside, you're going to find it much easier to either engage or disengage in a conversation. But people who always feel that they have their voice, their voice has to be heard and they have to get involved in every discussion it uh, it means that you well, like you said Danielle uh, sometimes we realize that we're not really convinced ourselves about our truth and what we stand for it is just that we think let's stay in this conversation let's discuss let's try to overpower somebody but sometimes it is better to not be engaged and and just let it happen and and like you said Sahara you just say I just give him a hug and I'm sending them on the <laughs> way and I tell them I love them and uh, and then you move on but you know that is sometimes pe- some people just need to be able to express yes and I'm yeah. just grateful that I'm there and it's really something I've learned from my wife who, who says sometimes I just need to process I just need to express and say and talk and tell my story without you interrupting me uh-huh. because yeah. it doesn't matter where it leads to uh, I always learn when she talks, I always learn, so, learn something new, but I also often realize that there are things being said in a conversation such as that, where it is like a monologue, that is not important for me, this is important for the other person. That person needs to say something, just needs to have a soundboard that they feel safe with, mm-hmm. and they just say it. Yes, but, yes. And that goes to the point of, Sometimes, and I've noticed this in my work, because not only am I doing the channeling and the psychic and the clairvoyant work and all these things, I work in the healing field, energetic healing field or wellness field, because really healing is between us and the divine. Um, However, sometimes the greatest healing work we can do with another person is simply be witness to their process and to assist them, and, I, uh, right? And, yep. and holding that space, that sacred space for their process. I'm a verbal processor. I overwhelm my wife sometimes with just blah, 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 blah. And she'll, she's a Taurus. I'm a Pisces. And she'll just sit there and listen and listen. And, and it's interesting because the human psyche, when we hear something <laughs> with our ears, it goes to a different portion of our brain. And we process it differently than when it only exists within our mind. That's actually, uh, again, another scientific fact. So when we are saying things to others, whether it's beautiful or whatever it is, we are teaching ourselves about where we're at. So if you have an opportunity to hold that sacred space 
of holding a safe space to witness someone else's process, that oftentimes is the greatest healing gift we can give to others. And mm. sometimes, as you were saying, Jacobus, you know, if, if it gets a little rough or we get uh, it gets spicy or there's uh, a lot of uh, dissonance in the discussion or whatnot, um, you know, we can hold that space for a while. And sometimes we have to step out of that space because we, we, we just can't continue in that vibration. Yet listening is a lost art. And yeah. it's a lost art. And as somebody who works in media, which I do, um, I have worked on television shows where I've got an earbud in and you have what's called a line producer. And that's the person who is telling you what they want you to do on camera live. Mm-hmm. And every single newscaster, uh, you know, if, whether you're watching, uh, you know, Sean Hannity or you're watching Rachel Maddow or whoever you're watching, watch them because they have an earbud in yeah. and they have a line producer that is directing the conversation. Now, a lot of these people write their shows and they read off the teleprompters. The reason I'm bringing this up is because that line producer is going to direct what you say or try to. And so I've been on camera live on a television show and I've got somebody in my ear and maybe things aren't happening the way they want it to on a paranormal show because I would be the psychic or medium on the show that's talking to the ghosts or whatever. And I would have a producer saying, uh, you need to talk to a ghost right now. And I'm ignoring the producer because there's no ghost talking to me and I'm a big authenticity junkie, right? And pretty soon this, this producer is just shouting in my ear, is, is you, you know, tap your vest if you can hear me and I'll tap my vest and just keep ignoring them because I don't want to put chops on my plate, Sahara, at the buffet. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this. And what's interesting is the reason I bring up this analogy is that our programming, our subconscious is like that line producer in our ear that is shouting to us all the time, you know, do something fabulous, say something, interject, be seen, make it dramatic, because that's how we've been taught to devise our relevance in at least the American culture. Yet, Jacobus, to go back to what you're saying, to be able to hold witness for somebody and just allow them to speak and to learn, even if you completely disagree, that is the greatest gift of grace that we can give to one another, yeah. I feel, in this particular chapter in America. And I think that that one portion will contribute to a larger palette of healing that we are currently in the process of delivering to one another. Hmm. There's also something else. There's an old wisdom saying. It's often attributed to various celebrities, but it actually comes from the Talmud. <laughs> And what it says is, we see things not as they are, we see things as we are. So I like this word you use, Danielle, lens. We each look through our own lens and we see things as we are. That's why... Uh, nobody can ever uh, offend me or insult me or hurt me anymore because I understand they are seeing me from who they are and it has nothing to do with me. I know who I am and I'm not going to be insulted or hurt. And I tell people, you can say anything to me Whatever you feel, not a problem. You're not going to offend me. And if you have some kind of constructive criticism, great. If, mm. if I 
understand that that that's valid that's a gift to me that's a gift to me and i'm going to take put that into my programming and i'm going to use it to adjust what yeah. needs adjusting mm-hmm. You're listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway, Danielle Agnew, and Sahara Devi in the studio. We still have another text to work through, but we have a caller on hold. Thanks for waiting, caller. What's your name, please? How can we help you? Uh, yes, Jacobus. This is Bob. Uh, hey, Bob. program today. Thanks, Bob. Um, I know Ted alluded to this uh, topic being perhaps a little bit out there for a lot of people. But there's a great deal of scientific evidence that uh, backs up what uh, your guests are talking about, yeah. especially with regards to consciousness. I'm just curious as to whether they and you are aware of a book called Power Versus Force, and the author is Dr. Hawkins, a, a pretty well-renowned and respected uh, psychologist. Oh, I've heard, this is Sahara, I've, I've heard of it, I, I haven't read it. But uh, I think I can grok the concept. And this is Danielle, and I have not read it either, yet I have heard it brought up in many, many circles, Bob, um, because people are really loving tying together what we have previously considered non-tangible to what we give credence to toward being tangible, which is, of course, science. And, And for me, science and spirituality and physicality, to me, they're all the same thing. But for many, they aren't. So I am so excited that you brought that book up. Well, there are two sides of this. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I would recommend it to um, everybody at the studio there. Uh, It's understandable, but it really brings out some very deep topics. And just briefly, Dr. Hawkins, uh, through decades of his clinical work, was able to objectively verify that people have... um, various levels of consciousness, and he developed a scale that's based in powers of 10 that goes from 0 to 1,000, and this is powers where 10 is multiplied by, let's say, 20 or 100 at at that um, exponential power, for those uh, familiar with mathematics. Uh, His lowest point was shame. When you were talking earlier about fear, yeah. Fear is also very low on the scale. I see. And he, uh, through his scale, uh, kind of developed a, uh, a cutoff point between negative and positive states of consciousness, and that's roughly at 200. Huh. And both shame and fear are well below that. Hmm. And he uh, states in his book that love is right around 500 on the scale. Yeah. And there is even a company in uh, Canada that has developed technology where they can actually project an electromagnetic field at the same frequency as love at that 500 level on Dr. Hawkins' scale. And they can actually project that to a GPS point or to a SIM card on uh, like a cell phone or other device. Yeah. Wow. And I know some people will think that's really way out there, but <laughs> I I encourage them to approach it with an open mind. Um, a friend of mine has a saying that the most expensive possession many people have is a closed mind. <laughs> wow. I really hope that people open up their minds to contemplate 
that perhaps they don't have a full understanding of how the universe operates and that we are, as you stated earlier, energetic beings and that we have potential that is far beyond what we can imagine. Yes. Yes. Right on, Bob. I agree. (laughs) Thank you, Bob, for that. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for the program. Uh, You too. Thank you. Um, Wow. I am so excited by the (laughs) calls. I mean, these are some... And, you know, and may I congratulate our gentlemen our divine masculine who are calling in today mm-hmm. with such incredible information. Yeah. You know, and we are technically, uh, every 100,000 years, humanity goes through a different energetic shift. And we are currently in the yin time frame or the feminine time frame. And that doesn't mean that the females have more power or are preferred. It means that we are in for the next 94,000 years, a time when we are the stewards of things, the feminine says, let's take, it, let's take care of that which we have already built. And if you think back 100,000 years ago, that was the divine masculine time frame. So we were building roads and we were spreading the seed of humanity and stretching out and making countries. And that was necessary for the growth of human beings. Yet during this time frame, the feminine time frame, the yin time frame, we are the stewards and taking care of and nurturing all that we've built. Because really, what are we going to do? Conquer the bottom of the ocean or the moon? I mean, we're kind of out of space on the earth. So I love to hear these wonderful gentlemen calling in with such observation. It is such a nod toward the divine masculine in the feminine time frame. And it's important for everybody to note out there, everybody, we all have masculine and feminine chi. It doesn't mean somebody's emasculated or it doesn't mean a woman is masculine. It's a balance issue, and I just get real excited when I hear these wonderful calls coming in from our wonderful gentlemen. Yeah, and part of what uh, what Bob is saying is uh, don't be afraid of this topic. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, because a lot of people feel it's something they cannot grasp, which is true, literally, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean it cannot de- it cannot do good for you. We can, it's already around us, so let's utilize it for the, in the best way possible. I also feel that when you start integrating frequencies and how you send out your own energy and vibration, that it changes most of the discussions and conversations you have with other people because it, 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 it's not just raw words and yeah. thoughts. This is... There is an energy behind the words that we have, and words are frequencies themselves. And so we need to understand how we use words to not offend, but to assist and to construct and to help and to, uh, to, to, to share a certain goodness with the receiver. And, and um, so this is really interesting what Bob brings up, that you have that scientific evidence that is uh, that that helps us in a way in a conversation that we say, hey, you know, it's not just something pulled out of thin air. This is literally something that other people have said. Before we pull it out of thin air, let's research it, and research shows it exists. Well, uh, I called this period the great transformation hmm. portion of the evolution revolution, yeah. which, in my perception the evolution revolution came to my awareness in 1999 and uh, the great transformation showed up a few years ago 
And so the energies, the cosmic energies, if you will, have been intensifying, which is um, they're touching more and more people who are being affected, opened, if you will, some of them, uh, affected in a subconscious way. Others, they're not sure what the heck is going on, but something's getting really weird in how they feel and what they perceive in their lives. Their lives could be collapsing even sometimes Mm -hmm. when a spiritual it's time for someone to take a giant step in their own spiritual evolutionary process. A whole life can collapse. Yes, yes. So we're, it's a very dramatic and intense time. Danielle calls this the year of reconstruction. I've heard others speak of it as a new beginning. So what I want to say about it is just that the stars are all aligned in a in yep. a way to support you in taking your next step. So if you are attracted to that, if something in you responds to that, then you know you can go to a bookstore and something will attract you on the shelf or you can be looking through something and you'll see a post by Danielle on Facebook or something will show up to guide you in your own personal process. Well, and and, and part of that process is also the healing of your body because I visualization is sending a positive frequency to the organ that you visualize. If you are dealing with, if you believe it, you know, so some people say, I don't believe that that works. So again, scientific evidence shows that it does exist. You can utilize the, all this information that we're talking about today to actually look at a, I tell, tell people often, look at an anatomy chart, look at the organ that is diseased and visualize the purity, visualize how clean it can be, visualize how what a healthy organ looks like, visualize it and imagine that that is inside your body and you can actually start a healing process in your own life. I had an experience somewhat like that with my son when he was about seven or eight years old. He came home one day. He had a big wart on the knuckle of his thumb. Yeah. And another one he showed me on the back of his heel. Ah. That night when he was going to sleep, I sat with him. I said, close your eyes. Imagine your body filled with golden light. Imagine that there is like a uh, a bubble of golden light around you and now see a picture of your knuckle without the wart and see a picture of your heel without the wart and just hold that for a moment. And when he woke up in the morning, the warts were gone. That's unreal. I love it. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, so uh, I know things are, I burned yeah. my hand. <clears throat> yeah a few weeks ago, grabbing hold of a pan coming out of the oven, 
serious burn across my fingers and on the palm of my hand. And you said first thing, I love you, I love you. (laughs) Well, that's part of it. Yeah, right on. But I looked at that. I stuck it under cold water. I put some aloe on it. It was still very red and angry when I was going to sleep. But I just, without really even doing anything, I had this sense, this kind of knowing in me that when I wake up in the morning, there's not going to be a sign of burn on my hand. And that's what happened. I woke up and it was, it astonished even me that there wasn't even a trace of that. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Caller, do you have anything to add in the next 20 seconds? Yeah. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Uh, well, I just wanted, I had a couple of quick thoughts. Uh, first off, I was kind of confused about the, the range of 100,000 years ago. It was men. I, I don't think there was a whole lot of road building going on 100,000 years ago, but maybe that was uh, a mis- something misspoken. But the main question I wanted to ask about was, um, if you're familiar with uh, uh, possibilianism uh, as, a, as a sort of... Possibilianism? Possibilianism, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it, it relates quite well, although I, I don't personally... You know what is the sad thing is that we're really out of time. There is going to be a hard okay. break. It takes us over the air, but let's take use this for another show when we have the ladies back. Okay, okay. sounds good. Thank you. Sorry about that. 